Now, we're in the middle of a series called Seven Signs. And, and there, once there was a, a rookie cameraman for a big news agency, and he'd finally gotten his big break. There was this massive forest fire, and his editor had approved his request to charter a plane and fly over the fires and film the destruction. He quickly used his cell phone to, to call the local airport to charter the flight. And when he got there, there was a, he was told there would be a twin-engine plane, twin plane waiting for him at the airport. Arriving in the airfield, he spotted a plane warming up outside of a hangar. He jumped in with his bag, slammed the door shut, and he shouted, Let's go! He's so excited. The pilot taxied out, swung the plane into the wind, and took off. Once in the air, the cameraman instructed the pilot, Fly over the valley and make low passes so that I can get shots of the fires on the hillsides. Why? asked the pilot. Because I'm a cameraman. And I'm on this tight deadline, and I need to get some close-up shots for tonight's news program. The pilot was strangely silent for a moment. Finally, he stammered, so wait, what you're telling me is you're not my flight instructor? Knowing the identity of someone can be crucial. Understanding the identity of Jesus is probably the most important question that you can answer. A few weeks ago, we began this series called Seven Signs, and in this series, we're reading through the book of John. John, one of Jesus' closest disciples, wrote his gospel account at the end of his life. And like any author that puts a pen to paper, John has a reason for writing what he wrote, a message that he desperately wants to get across to future generations and the audience that would read it. He wants those things to come across in his writings. He wants you to know that, that in the three years that he committed his life to following after Jesus, he discovered by what he saw, he discovered by what he heard, that Jesus was God in the flesh. And he wants you to know that this man who lived amongst them was more than just a good teacher. He was more than just a, a good rabbi. He was the hope of the world. He was the one who died for our sins, for the sins of mankind, so that we would have eternal life. And he would encourage you today that if you're struggling with what you believe, if you're struggling with putting your faith in faith, that you're not alone. Because John, and for that matter, all of the disciples didn't just believe. They didn't just have this incredible faith where they believed. It was a process for each of them. They believed, and then they questioned. And then they believed, and then they doubted. And then they believed, and then the one that they followed was crucified and killed on a cross. And they thought it was all over. They thought everything that they had believed in for the last three years was done. And then, on the third day, like he predicted, Jesus rose and walked amongst them once again. And then they believed, and they never looked back. And so John writes his gospel for you and for me to say, based on the evidence that was in front of me, based on what I saw and what I heard, I couldn't help but believe. And he writes down all these things in his gospel and presents the evidence to you that maybe you would come to the same conclusion. John 20, 31 says, But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him you will have life by the power of his name. 
And so John, he's reliving these moments where, which he had with Jesus. And he wants you to know not only what happened, he wants you to know why it all happened in the hopes that you would come to the same conclusion as he did. That Jesus is the Messiah, and as a result, when you put your trust in him, he, he gives you the gift of salvation and, and eternal life. Well, last week I was on vacation, but I, I had a chance to watch Pastor Justin's message online, and he did such a great job of presenting the fourth sign in our series, the feeding of the 5,000. Well, this week we look at a sign that actually coincides with that miracle. We're going we're gonna to be picking up at John chapter 6, verse 16. That's where our story starts today. John chapter 6, verse 16. That evening, Jesus' disciples went down to the shore to wait for him. But as darkness fell and Jesus still hadn't come back, they got into the boat and headed across the lake towards Capernaum. Soon a gale swept down upon them and the sea grew very rough. They had rowed three or four miles when suddenly they saw Jesus walking on the water toward the boat. They were terrified. But he called out to them, don't be afraid, I am here. Then they were eager to let him in the boat, and immediately they arrived at their destination. Now, if you've been in church for any length of time, you're quite familiar with this story. However, my hope is, as you're watching this today, my hope is, is that you would come with a, a, with a sense of expectation, that you wouldn't just jump to the end and go, oh, I've heard this, I know how this is going to finish, that you would ask God to give you fresh, a fresh view of this story. Maybe he has got, he's got a message in there that he never, ever showed you when you read this before. So the story immediately occurs after Jesus has just fed the 5,000. Or as we surmise, it was more likely 10 or 15,000 when you included women and children. And Jesus takes a situation where he, the multitudes are hungry. They're literally hungry. And he provides more than they could ever eat. He shows them this. He gives them a glimpse in this moment that this is what the kingdom is like. When you come to me with a lack, I will not only provide for your lack, I will give you more than you can even ask. And so when they're done, Jesus, after this whole big thing he does with this, this whole teaching he does with these, these numerous, numerous people, he goes off, he goes off to pray. We know from Matthew and Luke's gospel that Jesus sends the disciples off in a boat to cross the Sea of Galilee while he heads up the mountain to pray by himself. He just needs some alone time. I think if you're a parent, you know what that's like. Sometimes you just lock yourself in the bathroom because it's just like, I just need some time. Let, let's, pause, let's pause here for a moment. It's interesting to note that while the other gospel writers, they document this whole story of the 5,000, feeding of the 5,000 and Jesus walking on water, only John tells us when this all occurs. And there's a reason why John tells us why and, or when this occurs. He tells us back in John chapter 6, verse 4, that this, hope, this happens close to the time of the Jewish Passover. Passover being, of course, the celebration of the Jews' exodus, when the Jews were enslaved in Egypt, and God sent Moses, and he saved them from their slavery, and he led them out of the Egyptians, out of Pharaoh's clutches, out of, out of slavery. He miraculously saved the people through Moses. And so every year, the Jewish people, they would celebrate this Passover celebration in remembrance of that incredible event in, their, in the history of their people. So what John's doing for his audience is he's actually revealing something to them. He's, as he tells the story, his audience, they know the story. They know that they know the Torah, the first five books of the, 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 of the Old Testament, where this whole Exodus story is played out. They, the children, as they were growing up, they would know, they would memorize these, these first five books. 
And then they couldn't help as they're listening to this, as John's readers are listening to, John, to Jesus' stories, they couldn't help but draw the parallels as he tells the story. After the Jews had escaped from the Egyptians back in Moses' time, Moses led them out into the wilderness. And after a while, they became hungry and they didn't know where the food was going to come from. Numbers 11.13 says, where, this, is, this, is, this is Moses talking to God, where can I get meat for all these people? They keep wailing to me. Give us meat to eat. See, in this moment, Moses, he doubts that God could ever provide for the multitudes, which is, which is incredibly crazy. Like, God is just, he's parted the Red Sea. He's led you out, and you're doubting that he could provide. Last week, we heard Philip say to Jesus the same thing when the, he saw the crowds of people. And Jesus wants to feed them. Philip's like, do you have any idea what this would cost? How many wa- how much months wages it would cost to feed all these people? He doubts that Jesus can provide. Moses doubts God's ability, even though he's already seen God provide manna just when the, when the Israelites were out in the desert and they were wandering. Manna would fall from the sky. And, he, and God would provide in this bread form. And, and Philip, he doubts Philip doubts Jesus in that moment that even he's, Philip has just watched what Jesus does at the wedding in Cana. Jesus takes water and turns it into wine. Philip watched it with his own eyes. And then a little while later, he says, how, how are we ever going to feed all these people? Jesus multiplies the bread and fish so that we, so the people could have as much as they wanted. God provides manna out of nothing so that the people could have all they needed. The signs were so obvious to the audience that Jesus is speaking to, that in verse 14 and 15, it says, when the people saw him do miraculous signs, they exclaimed, surely he is the prophet we've been expecting. When Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. See, the next thing Jesus does, it only strengthens the comparisons to Moses. As people are looking, they're like, this, this guy is Moses. He's, he's, he's Moses. Or they didn't think he was Moses, but they thought he was the next Moses, the next prophet. So he heads up the mountain alone to spend time with God. Moses would come down from the mountain with the Ten Commandments. Jesus would come down with something even better, nothing but himself. And so as John writes this, he allows his audience to see the obvious parallels. But what would happen next would would help him conclude that Jesus was more than just a prophet. He was more than just another version of Moses. That Jesus was more than the next Moses. Verse 17, But as darkness fell and Jesus still hadn't come back, they got into the boat and headed across the lake toward Capernaum. Soon a gale swept upon them, and the sea grew very rough. Now this was not an uncommon occurrence on the Sea of Galilee. The disciples were not rookies at being in a boat on the Sea of Galilee. They understood fully how quickly that the water could change, how quickly that, that the storms would come in. It would be nice and calm one moment, and next thing you know, it's, it just happened like that. So no doubt, they've been caught in a storm or two in their lives, and the Sea of Galilee could be unforgiving. But it's interesting to note that it wasn't the storm that brought them fear. Verse 19, they had rowed three or four miles when suddenly they saw Jesus walking on the water toward the boat. They were terrified. It wasn't the storm that terrified them. It was when they saw Jesus approach them, that's when the fear set in. When you read the story, we know it's Jesus. It's, especially in John's gospel, you know right away, it's identified right away, this is Jesus. But they didn't know. They had no idea. 
All they knew is they had just left Jesus a little while ago. They, they saw him go up a hill. They got into a boat. They rowed three or four miles out into the middle of the water about halfway. A storm sweeps in, and now there's this man out on the water walking towards them, and they're terrified. Well, no wonder they're terrified. Matthew and Luke in their Gospels says that they thought it was a ghost out there. But before they recognize it's Jesus, they realize that there's a man walking on the water. And for John's audience that's reading this, they've already recognized the Moses comparisons. And to be, be compared to Moses, that was a big deal. Like Moses was the guy. For the Jewish people, he was it. But Moses was considered to be the greatest prophet. So to be linked to Moses was the greatest honor you could give a Jew. Moses led the people out of Egypt when the Egyptian army was bearing down on them. And when the Egyptian army was bearing down on them, they came to the Red Sea and they were trapped. And God instructed Moses to raise his staff and the waters parted so that they could safely pass and they were able to escape. It's an incredible moment in Jewish history. It was an iconic moment for a Jewish young, young person as they would, they would hear the story. An incredible event. But as John writes this, he wants you to see that Jesus is so much more than an updated version of Moses. Jesus is not the next Moses. He was greater than Moses. Moses was man. Jesus was God. And instead of parting the water to pass through it, Jesus was walking on top of it in the middle of a storm, I might add. Moses had led people out of slavery from the Egyptians. Jesus was here to lead his own exodus. Jesus was here to lead mankind out of their own slavery of sin and consequential death. And for John, this moment was more than an amazing feat or a miracle. It was a sign that pointed to who Jesus really was. When Moses first comes into the presence of God, he's afraid. He sees this burning bush, and he asks God, who is it that is before him? And God says, it is I am. My name is I am. When they ask you who I am, tell them I am. And the disciples find themselves, they're in this boat, and they're frightened. And as Jesus approaches the boat, walking on water, verse 20 says, but he called out to them, don't be afraid, I am here. Now, the translation here is a little bit weak. What it really says is, don't be afraid, I am. It's the same words that God speaks to Moses. For the disciples, they have this moment where they can't understand what they're seeing. A man walking on water? How is this even possible? Moses sees a bush that burns and burns and burns, but does not burn out. And it's like, how is this even possible? You and I face the same thing. Often we find ourselves in a storm. Our world is torn upside down. You may recognize that right now. But we don't even recognize that God is standing in the midst of all of it. We think God is gone. He's abandoned us. We're out here by ourselves. And there he is standing in the middle of the waves. And, and we feel like we call out when we do cry out and we're desperate. We say, God, if you're here, take this storm away from me. God, if you're here, fix my situation. God, if you're there, end this virus. But God says, I'll do you one better. I will walk on top of the waves with you. I will walk through the storm. And if you recognize that I'm bigger than your st the storm you're facing, if you recognize that you're not alone in these waters, if you'll open your eyes to who I truly am, if you'll listen for my voice, you will hear me say, don't be afraid. I am. 
See, we often live by what we see. And in this story, we see the disciples, they can't make sense of what they're seeing. In a place that they're most familiar with, out on the Sea of Galilee, they've been there millions of times. It was a familiar surrounding, yet they didn't initially recognize that God was with them in their familiar surrounding in the middle of all of it. We see this today. COVID has shaken everything up. Your surroundings are familiar, but everything's different. Everything is confusing. And we forget that Jesus is in the middle of it with us. He's walking on the water, but we don't see him or we don't recognize that he's there. That's where our discouragement comes from. That's where our despair comes from. We're not sure what's going to happen. That's why people are clinging to conspiracy theories now more than ever, because it's easier to make sense of our world if we have a theory. When Jesus would say to you, hey, look up here. Don't be afraid. I am. See, if you understand what's happening around you, but you don't make sense that Jesus is in the middle of it, you actually don't understand anything. But if you can recognize that Jesus is in the middle of the storm, nothing else matters. Jesus says they got halfway across, or just sorry, John says they got halfway across, and Sea of Galilee is like seven miles wide from one side to the other. And John says, he's so much detail in this, he says we got three or four miles, which is like roughly halfway. Why did Jesus let them get halfway before he appeared to them? I mean, the story says, when we look at the other gospel accounts, Jesus sent them. Jesus knew they were going to hit a storm. What does that mean then? I think what it means is Jesus is okay with you and I having storms in our lives. Because if you thought that committing your life to Jesus was going to eliminate your storms, someone told you wrong. Jesus is fine that you will have to struggle. Not always, but sometimes. Because in another storm, the disciples cry out. They're in the middle of a storm. Jesus is with them in the boat, and they cry out, and Jesus shuts the storm down like that. Jesus is not always going to shut the storm down. In this storm, it's raging. And I can imagine that Jesus is calm. I don't imagine he's calling out to the disciples while waves are hitting him in the face. He's like, don't worry, I'm here. And he's getting, I imagine he's just standing there and he's calm. He's not, even be, he's not even being rocked by the waves. He's just walking through them. He's in control even when the storm is not. See, for the disciples, they're scrambling. They're just trying to survive. It's chaotic. But Jesus is unfazed. He say, don't be afraid. I am. Hey, I know it's tough. I know you're struggling. I know that this, this storm came out of nowhere. I know you can't see what's in front of you. Don't be afraid. I am. You're going to face things. I'm going to face things. You might be in the middle of one of those right now. You might be in the middle of your own personal storm right now. And you're overwhelmed. And it feels like it's too much. My, my, my advice for you today would be take time to see and recognize Jesus in the middle of that storm. Young people, let me give you a heads up right now. You're going to come to a point. It could be later this year. It could be in 10 years. It could be 15 years from now. You're going to get, come to a point where you go through something and it, you feel like it's too much for you to handle. It might be a storm that shakes up your physical well-being. It might be a storm that shakes up your emotional, your mental, your mental health. But whatever it is, you will hit a place where you feel overwhelmed and life feels like it's too much to handle. And when you feel like I can't do this, like I can't do this 
without help. I want you to hear these words. Don't be afraid. I am. Because when things are good, we feel like we're in control. We feel like we're on top of our game. We feel like we're on the top of the world and we don't need help. But in an instant, a storm can can come crashing in. One phone call can change everything and you feel overwhelmed. You find yourself out of hope. You find yourself out of options. But Jesus says, don't be afraid. I know the waves are deafening. I know that you feel like you're out of options. I know that you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But I want you to know I am. That's what he wants you to hear today. If you hear nothing else, that's what he wants you to hear. Whatever your challenge is, I am. Whenever, whatever's striking fear in your heart today, I am. He speaks these words into your current storms. He speaks these words into your future storms. I am. If you can look out into the storm, whether it be the one you're currently in or the one that's on the horizon, if you can look into that storm when everything is confusing and everything is shaky and you, you don't know what's going to happen next, if you can clearly see Jesus in the middle of it, everything changes. When you know who he is, everything changes. You might say, yeah, I'm afraid. Yeah, my circumstances are uncertain. Yeah, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I do know that I am is with me. I don't know what the outcome is, but I do know I am. I'm not sure what's going to happen, how it's going to happen for me. I, it, doesn't, it doesn't even seem like there's any hope, but what I'm sure of is I am. Jesus doesn't say anything else to the disciples. He doesn't, he doesn't say, hey, hey, don't, don't, don't. He, he, he doesn't yell anything out other than this. He doesn't say, don't be afraid. I am. And they recognize him in the storm. They they recognize him. They hear his words. And verse 21 says, they were eager to let him in the boat. See, so many of us, we we want to see Jesus do something. Jesus, I want you to calm my storm first, and then I'll listen to your words. He says, I am. Heal me, Jesus. Like, I, I've been going through this affliction for so long. I, I want you to heal me. And if you heal me, then I'll follow you. And Jesus will say, oh, I am. Change my husband. Change my wife. Save my children. Bring them home. Then I'll believe. I am. Help me, God. Then I'll put my trust in you. I am. When, when I'm, see, when I'm going through a storm, I I want Jesus just to fix the situation. I want Jesus to just heal my pain. I, I want Jesus to change my circumstances that make, are making me feel uncomfortable. Do that, Jesus. Then you can get in my boat. Then I'm open to what you have to say. But if you could calm my storm first, then, then come on. Come on, get in my boat. Get in my boat, and then I'll, I'll listen to what you have to say. But Jesus would say to you, and Jesus would say to me, that's not faith. That's not trust. That's temporary relief of your situation. But if you'll fix your eyes on me, see me in the middle of your storm and hear my voice, don't be afraid. I am. See, that's our Jesus. That's our Jesus. Jesus would say, I am the authority over your circumstance. I am the authority over these waves. I am the authority over these winds. I am the authority over your pain. I am the authority over your sickness. They don't have power over me. I have power over them. And only once 
only once does something overtake Jesus. And it's because he let it. Our sin. He allowed our sin to overtake him so that I could have, so that you could have eternal life. Everything else, anything else that you would consider a storm, bows down to the authority of Jesus. And John wants you to know, I was in the middle of this storm. And I saw Jesus clearly in that moment for who he was. And I chose to take him at his word. When I heard his words, we let him into our boat. There was nothing in the middle of that storm. There was nothing that calmed me quicker than hearing, don't be afraid. I am. And he would encourage you today. And no matter what you're going through right now, no matter what your situation is, no matter what keeps you up at night, no matter what you think you're not sure what the outcome is going to be, no matter if you can't, can't endure another day, you think the pain is too much, you can't endure another day, he would say to you, don't be afraid. I am. And when you can see and recognize Jesus in your storm, it changes everything. Let's pray. God, when this pandemic hit, there was many of us that were, were afraid. We weren't sure of what was going to happen tomorrow. And, and then we thought it was all going to go away in a month or two. And now we're months and months into it. We're approaching a year. And sometimes the fear creeps back in. Sometimes we, we, we get overtaken by the waves, the sound of the crashing waves. We, it just becomes all too real. And God, I pray for those out there who have lost their, their jobs. I pray for those out there that are dealing with depression and, and addiction. And God, it just it feels hopeless and it feels like I can't see what's going to happen tomorrow. I, God, I pray that we would, we would seek you that we would see in the middle of this, you did not just send us out into the waters to thrash about by ourselves, to be overtaken by the waves, to be overtaken by our circumstances. But in the midst of all of it, you're walking right beside us. And when we lean into you, when we seek you out, we hear you say the words, don't be afraid. I am. Yeah, we're so thankful for your comfort and that peace. And we put our full trust in you. You may not calm the storms right away in the way we would do it. But you will not leave us. And you will see us through this storm. And you will see us through each and every storm that follows. As long as we lean on you and put our faith in you. God, I pray blessing on every person that's tuned in today. I pray you bless their week. And we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.